It is Wednesday night, so you know what that means. You're capping off the evening on Wrestling Inc. all across the platforms, wherever it might be, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, checking us out on the audio after the fact. It's all good. It's all lit. It's all going to be real and entertaining here with myself, Justin Labar, former sports entertainment referee of over 20 years in WWE, Mr. Jimmy Corderas, and the diva down in Puerto Rico. Ladies and gents, how are we doing tonight? Ladies first, Lisa, how are you? I'm doing great. Feeling a little under the weather, but um, excited to talk some wrestling with you guys. Jimmy, it was a night of uh, we got some, we got a ref bump tonight. Shocking. Hey. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> well, uh, we'll get to that when it comes up because, uh, anyways, you know me, Captain Nitpick. But anyway, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. It was certainly a fumbly and bumbly little ref bump there. We'll get to it. Yeah. A little, te- little tease yeah. to get to. Uh, Jimmy, share with all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no idea that you were a a, a custom ringtone kind of guy, but I know you're <laughs> oh. a music guy. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you out through the curtain here, and, and you oh, got to okay. share with the audience what you shared with us just before uh, you went. Uh, we went on the air here. Yeah, you, you know, as people people who know me know that I love older music, 70s, 80s, and I'm very across the board. I, I'm not fussy, but uh, for some reason, old school dance and disco music just it makes me smile. It makes me laugh. I love this stuff. And my current ringtone on my phone now is Rubber Band Man. And for those Respect. of you who don't remember this song, uh, go out and listen to it. It is a fun song, and that's what it's meant to be. Can I just can I just call you real quick and it can play the ringtone? Sure. Oh my want, god. Do it. <laughs> do it. Let's put everybody's ringtones to the test. Mm-hmm. God, I hope we don't get a uh hope we don't get like a copyright strike or something. Just don't play it for more than like five seconds. That's it. All right, all right, here we go. Calling Jimmy. Let's hear it here. This is riveting. The suspense wow. is killing me. Oh, I know. This suspense is killing me. I can't do this. <laughs> Why is it? Just, here we go. It's ringing. Now. <laughs> man, you never heard a sound like a rubber band. Man, you're about to lose control. I'm trying to picture standing, standing in behind you in the grocery <laughs> store, and that just goes off. I know. What's your ringtone, oh. Justin Lavar? Nothing exciting. What <laughs> is it? There. And no, it's just like generic. I don't. Know, it's not a song or anything. It's whatever. I don't know. Is it a I, generic I, I, Android? Yes, it's it's a generic Android. The, the the best the best ringtone I ever had is back in the day. Uh, when I say back in the day, I was like in high school. Uh, I I was the guy that had for a minute. I had the um, Law and Order theme. Dun dun oh. dun, dun, dun 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 dun. Like that was my ringtone. Yep. Ah, uh, that's that, that that I do like. Yeah. Because you know, everybody's done Sopranos. Everybody's done. You know. Uh, uh, the Godfather? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Issa. that's right. I've, I've heard that one. I saw yeah. Issa, Issa has bad bunny, I guarantee you. I do. <laughs> I, like, I, I just like going off I the board. Do. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. I have bad bunny. I have bad bunny. Me fui de vacaciones. That's my ringtone. Cool. What does that, what does that, what does that mean? What does that... I, yeah. I went on vacation. It's a very beautiful song about how pretty Puerto Rico is. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I get behind that. Yeah. yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with custom ringtones. Uh, people that um, I, I, people that do like the custom 
sounds for like every text they get. Like uh, I got to give a shout out to my buddy, my, my, my old pal Bam Stone. Bam, I remember mm-hmm. for a period of time, Bam would have his phone on ring, or he'd have his uh sound on ring. Mm-hmm. And and every time he got a text, I got this. You'd hear the sound, and so I'd be in the same room with him. And for those of you that know Caddyshack, uh, on the famous scene when when Bill Murray's character is in the is in the shed with with, with Chevy Chase's character, and you hear uh, Cannonball, Cannonball coming. <laughs> yeah. Every time somebody texts Bam, it was Cannonball, Cannonball coming, and like he was just getting blown up. I'm like, you got to put it on vibrate, dude. Got to. <laughs> Tremendous. So. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead and jump in uh, to some wrestling talk. Let's do the news first, as we like to do. And Sasha Banks, she has surfaced, uh, or Mercedes uh, Vernado, uh, I should say, her real name. She's being advertised for the uh, Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, C2E2, next month in August in Chicago, obviously. Uh, So she will be there. Uh, You can get photos with her and meet her, just like you do at at these Comic Cons. Uh, so this, uh, I believe, the first public appearance she's going to be making, first advertised public appearance at least, mm-hmm. she's going to be making since uh, w- walking out of Monday Night Raw and then and subsequently uh, being let go by WWE. Uh, Jimmy, it was just a matter of time, but did you think that it would be this type of appearance as a first public uh, appearance versus her stepping into a squared circle somewhere else? I'm glad that it isn't her stepping into a squared circle somewhere else because that's the expected thing nowadays. So it's nice for her to go out there, get herself, you know, acclimatized to the situation. You know, obviously she hasn't been around for a while. So, you know, that's, that's one thing, but, you know, let her go out, uh, find her new direction, so to speak, as opposed to getting thrown to the wolves right away, go out there, enjoy the fans who want to see you and, and, you know, have some fun. Because I, I know at times this business, especially in WWE, because it's, it's such a strict environment around there sometimes, it, it, can, it can be taxing. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Let, her, let her go out, have some fun before she decides where she wants to go next. Issa, you good with uh, Comic-Con before Dynamite or, or, or Impact or whatever, wherever she shows up? I am. I want Sasha to make her next move, whatever makes her happy, whatever she feels is best for her. At the same time, I feel like these kind of appearances can keep her alive with the fan base, which is what she needs the most. Sasha Banks has such a loyal fan base that why not take moments in which you can book these appearances? Fans can come see you. This one actually seems to be for a reasonable price compared to an access ticket at a WWE event. It appears that you can, I mean, based on what I read earlier, it's like a $90 for a photo, you know, opportunity with her where if you do a VIP access with Sasha, you're paying 150 and higher because um, I've done the access ticket. So I, I'm excited for fans to be able to get the chance to go meet her and we'll see what happens. But it's interesting to say the least that she's booking this. Now we got to keep an eye on Naomi because nobody's talking about Naomi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Naomi's the one that uh, maybe if you had to pick out of the two of them, she might be the one that's more likely to maybe let the dust settle, let the emotions cool down, maybe um comes back to the table comes back to the company uh, for nothing else again because uh, uh family ties and, and and from all the stories we're hearing again none of us know exactly what went down except for the few that <laughs> excuse me were involved but it feels like this is a more sasha led from the for me at least it felt like the whole incident was a more sasha led incident naomi was just kind of standing by her side that's what it feels like from the speculation don't know that for sure but yeah uh, i think you're right i'm looking at it right now for anybody who wants to know you can click and go to uh, check it out uh 70 bucks for um and at the table autograph, 90 bucks for a photo op uh, with Sasha. So that definitely is, as, as he said, points out cheaper than maybe some past options. But I'm sure that she is making out just fine financially for whatever uh, upfront 
payment she is getting. She's she's getting taken care of. Of course. So. And if mm -hmm. you notice in the advertisement, they they managed to uh, advertise her as a Star Wars, you know, character and as Sasha Banks. So this 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 con is trying to this convention is going to make a lot of money because you're going to get two mm -hmm. different kinds of fan bases going after that ticket. It's it's great for everybody. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. August 5th through the 7th at McCormick Place. Uh, again, it's the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo C2E2 for short. So uh, I, I'm sure uh, people will have their phones out. I'm sure people yep. will be chattering and asking questions. So we'll keep our ear out for what uh, what quotes might float across the fence uh, mm. coming out of this event. Yeah, she's going to have to be uh, a little careful, not because not to give away too much. But again, you don't want to give it away uh, to just a passing whatever when you when you're ready to speak do it in a do it in a forum that like come on here come on wrestling inc and if <laughs> yeah. you want to if you want to spill your your uh your news whatever that may be yeah I mean, we always you know it's look wrestlers always want uh you know they People want the right story out there, right? They don't want mm -hmm. speculation. They don't want a, a twist or a spin. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's as Jimmy said, it's when you offer up the camera and the microphone, come on and give it to us in your own mm -hmm. words. Yeah, uh, exactly. We, we will, we will, we will, we'll give you all the time in the world you want. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we'll keep uh, keeping your eye out for that. Uh, this other story here in the news, again, go to wrestlinginc.com for all the news headlines. Uh, this other one, a little spicier, it, it involves some uh, backstage and personnel in AEW, and that is uh, Conan. Who, uh, of course, uh, legendary wrestler Conan. Uh, he's on his Keeping It 100 podcast. Uh, he has been uh, talking about how Santana and Ortiz, the AEW tag team, uh, have been having some issues. That uh, behind the scenes, that has not been all kumbaya amongst the tag team partners. I kind of try to run through this as best I can. Uh, Conan, really the first credible source of information in that regards. Santana has been taking bookings on the Indies without Ortiz, and the pair haven't teamed up in a regular tag team match since February. Of course, they were in Blood and Guts, but I'm talking about a uh, traditional. Two on two. Uh, on top of all that, neither has really uh, been seen even standing next to each other on screen. In fact, in the segments, um, Santana, he's been a little more active on social, saying in some cryptic tweets in recent months. He tweeted in April, 126 days. Uh, so that was uh, guessed of that maybe that's how many days he had left on a current AEW contract. Uh, in May, after taking part in the Anarchy in the Arena match alongside Ortiz at Double or Nothing, he tweeted, Thank God that's over, and then responded to a fan. Uh, a fan had suggested, okay, now you guys got to go after the AEW tag titles. And he responded with a gif of himself laughing, uh, seeming to dismiss that. And then finally, at the end of last month, he simply tweeted, soon. Uh, so if that 126 days from that point is, in fact, a reference to his contract, that would uh, finish him up sometime around early September, right around All Out, quite frankly. Uh, they, of course, made the most appearance, uh, most recent appearance, Blood and Guts, on June 29th on AEW Dynamite, teaming up with Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, Claudio, and Eddie Kingston. Uh, the take on Jericho Appreciation Society. Santana injured his knee and was announced being out of action for an extended period of time. Um, and these guys, look, they were together before AEW, before they joined in 2019. They were uh, tagged uh, on the indies for, for like a decade or so. Uh, Conan worked with them as part of LAX and Impact Wrestling. So, again, kind of circling back around to the top of the story, you're certainly going to, I think, put some stock into what Conan is saying. Kind of shocked that he would go vocal on this. Um J J Jimmy, I I would only have to wonder either Conan just doesn't care or one of the two guys is maybe putting some stuff in his ear wanting to get uh, the story out there. I think it's a little bit of both. I think, uh, you know, and this is good for business because somewhere down the road, regardless of the fact that these guys are having an issue with each other and it appears to be a legit issue, according to Conan, 
uh, I obviously can't tell you for sure because I'm not back there and, and, and witnessing this. But if there is a legit issue, if these guys can put some of that aside for now and work together because now it's out there that these guys are having an issue, you can try and make money from this. There's an opportunity here to turn it into something on television if they could agree to at least work together without, you know, uh, intentionally <laughs> hurting yeah. each other if there's that much heat between them. That being said, this business is, as you both know, sometimes the littlest things can set something off and it gets blown out of proportion and then there's no coming back from it and you get super kicked and thrown through a barbershop window. <laughs> Uh, Isa, would you buy in? Would you pay money if they if they'd set the scene right, knowing what we think we now know now is going on behind the scenes? Would you pay money for a Santana and Ortiz feud? Um, I don't know. Depending on how they book it, as I shared with you guys in the past, he is the world champion singles world champion of Latin American wrestling entertainment here in Puerto Rico. He's actually scheduled to be at Summerfest this Saturday, which I'm going to be there. Sheep plug, you know, just getting all of my plugs in there. I'm going to be there with Lucha Libre Online. Come find me if you guys are there. But he's supposed to be there making an announcement about his title reign. As we know, he suffered an injury not too long ago. The whole point to this is, I know Santana has been wrestling here in Puerto Rico in a singles run for a while. He won the tournament. He's the world heavyweight champion of this of this company here in Puerto Rico. So the indie bookings are there. And, and you know, everybody, at least, Locally, everybody knows that he's the champion here. So it took me by surprise where people were like, wait, he's book like he's wrestling singles. I'm like, yeah, he's been doing that here for a while now. So, I mean, there is something to these rumors because I've seen it myself. Yeah. And maybe it is a simple, maybe it's, maybe there's nothing uh, scandalous or, or much more to it. Just in that he's been in a tag team or a group for a decade and he wants to have a singles run. You know, every, every father time is the ultimate opponent here. So, uh, you're not getting any younger, um, and maybe maybe it's maybe it's not as much dislike. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not as much dislike for his partner, but rather just I'm tired of having a partner. Uh, and 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 AEW said, look, you got to we got to finish the story of you guys being a tag team, being in, in the groups you're in until the major mm-hmm. blow offs happen, which is, of course blood and guts, uh, a major blow off, and then an injury mm-hmm. that seemingly can be the end of this. So right. We'll it, could, it could just be as easy as you're not getting the opportunities as a tag team. There might not be any drama behind them. There might not be any animosity. It's just a matter of which you probably go our separate ways because mm-hmm. these are almost day one group of people that haven't gotten not even near the tag team titles scene. Even when they were mm-hmm. at their hottest, why would they get there now? So it might just be a matter of just saying we might be better off going on our own way. Especially, yeah, you talk about tag teams, but now they're part of an mm-hmm. even bigger group with someone yeah. who is shining brightly above them in a, in a Christian. And, that's the, and yeah. that's the problem, Jimmy, to your point, that's the problem. They've always had all these other tag teams kind of stood on their own, even when they were part of factions where Santana and Ortiz, I've always seen them as inner circle. And now this mm-hmm. other group, they never really have been running on their own. So we'll wait and see. I mean, certainly it's uh, I mean, all great points. Um, so it is obviously a deep and rich tag division as we will cap this this podcast off with. So it uh, looks like the end of Santana Ortiz, at least on AEW for now. Uh, where we go from that, we'll uh, we'll keep watching for. All right, let's jump into Dynamite tonight. It is night one of Fighter Fest coming to you from beautiful Savannah, Georgia. And we're going to kick it off with a title match. Uh, the title defense of Wardlow, the TNT champion, up against 
Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, they cut to a quick uh, pre-tape promo that happened earlier in the day with his best friends. And the best friends are very blunt that they're just going to have to cheat <laughs> because they're going up against the more powerful, more dominant Wardlow. So just calling their shot right there that they're going to mm-hmm. cheat. Um, match starts off and, and you get some uh, you get some comedy. Orange or, Orange pulls out his pockets uh, like he or puts his hands in his pockets like he does. Wardlow rips the pockets out. Uh, Wardlow puts the straps down ready for business. Orange Cassidy puts the straps back up for him. Uh, the best friends uh, try to do a little distraction. They pull out a chainsaw from under the ring, and those shenanigans are not going to be tolerated, and the ref uh, kicks out the best friends. So now it truly is a one-on-one situation. There's no uh, potential for a three-on-one. Uh, and from this point out, uh, well, it's almost we think it's almost fair. Uh, as Wardlow is chasing mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy, uh, Wardlow pulls out Danhausen from underneath the ring. Danhausen doesn't even try to curse him. He recognizes Wardlow's power and just runs yeah. off. Uh, Orange Cassidy's gonna get uh, he's gonna hit Wardlow with a couple big moves and, and some big, big uh, false finishes. Uh, Wardlow's also gonna give uh, the F10 to Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy's gonna kick out of that. The first time ever anybody in AEW's kicked out of the F10 is a note. Um, Wardlow does block the orange punch, he does transition that into the power bomb. Uh, one power bomb is gonna do it after all the punishment that this match dished out amongst the two. We do get a show of sportsmanship at the end, a little fist bump and acknowledgement from Wardlow that Orange Cassidy is one tough SOB despite all other appearances. Lots of layers to peel back from this one. Before we even get into the uh, match itself, Jimmy, I'll start with you. Obviously, one of the most common questions here is Wardlow, this dominant baby face with the rocket ship up his ass, his first title defense is against not a rocket ship up his ass, but a very over and entertaining and comedic wrestler. This first segment is always the hot segment for AEW. If you're in the first segment, you're a big deal. So do you like this option where you put two fan favorites in there? Or would you rather have somebody, even though if you know it's going to be absolutely predictable, would you rather just put um, you, uh, just a good heel in there to stand opposite? Uh, option B, or the last one you suggested. And I think you read my mind for my ref and rant tomorrow that's talking about plugging. There you go. See, uh, here's a guy, like you said, who is who is red hot and has got this fire behind him and the crowd is into him in Wardlow. Why would you have him face in his first title defense another over baby face? That to me makes no sense. And yes, I get it. There's a little bit of comedy going on here, trying to have a little fun and maybe maybe try to show a little lighter side of Wardlow. But this guy's a beast. Let him go out there, have a dominant match against a, a heel that's, that the audience truly dislikes, get a big win that way and get over. Like in this one, you know, even though you said predictable, yes. I didn't think Orange Cassidy had a, a prayer in beating uh, World but the, but the, but the But the fans bought in. Whether or not they actually believed it, the fans did buy in. They did. And, and, and that's also a detriment. They bought in. They were on the ride. But it also seemed like it split the crowd a little bit because you had half the crowd cheering for Orange Cassidy at that point. Exactly. And there's where the step back is taken with someone like a Wardlow. When you got someone who is red hot, you're, 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 you're putting the fire extinguisher on him. I just, Issa, it just didn't work for me. Issa, did this cool your jets on, on a Wardlow as the new TNT champion? No, I love Warlow. He's my favorite thing right now, but I didn't like this match. I didn't think it needed to be booked this way. I don't know if Warlow is a victim of the fact that we now have a heel that comes out and squashes people. So maybe they don't want to book 
Warlow as the baby face that squashes people because we did see Luchasaurus come out later on and do what I wish we would have seen Warlow do. I would have rather gotten a heel from Dark that nobody knows and get his first title defense to just be a squash in which he's destroying people. But the issue with Warlow's booking is one week he's very strong, he's a beast, and the next week you put him in some kind of comedic trade. So it feels like we're not ready to go full out with him. Every week it's, it's not consistent. Um, but I'm glad that he got his first title defense out of the way. I thought Orange Cassidy looked great. I just didn't think that these two men needed to be wrestling each other tonight. Yeah, I didn't like I mean, when I saw that it was advertised. I wasn't crazy about this being his first title defense. Uh, but then that said, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think for what Tony, what the glasses Tony Khan's looking at it through. And again, I think it is, again, it shows the first segment, the first match is what uh, you know, that, that's a that's a huge thing for them. So I guess on that point, I can say, okay, well, Wardlow in a squash match versus a generic heel. Wardlow's a big deal. He's going to start off. So maybe that is a thought. Of, let's put him out there with somebody like Orange Cassidy. I, I tried to see the entertainment, try to enjoy it. And, and overall, I'm going to let it be. I, I still think hopefully in the long run, it's not going to be a detriment to Wardlow. The number one thing, actually, my biggest complaint, I don't like Wardlow delivering that F10 and again, and, and, and Orange Cassidy. Kicked Man, out. Yeah, I, I yep. hate it. I hate any finisher yeah. like that getting kicked out of. And it was just kind of sandwiched in there. Um, mm-hmm. So right. that's kind of my biggest thing. You know, look, eventually somebody's got to kick out of something like that, but make it somebody who really needs that and make it in a pivotal. I mean, this was for the title, but make it, mm-hmm. make it on a, on a big pay-per-view, make it in a big moment where you think this is it. Yeah, and, uh, and I don't, I don't know why we wasted that. Set up to it, where both guys are are a little bit beaten and battered, like you said, in a match on a pay per view. Then he hits that F ten, and he's a little bit on the cell to to Wardlow, and then he slowly gets over there to make the cover. It just, to me, it didn't work. That stuff did not work for me tonight. Yeah, same. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, I'll be very interested to see the numbers. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess mm-hmm. again. This first segment was gonna be pretty strong given the participants. Um, but and, and and after the numbers, I'll be interested. In, okay, what's his next title defense? Who is his next title defense? Uh, you know, are we going to get a rash of squash matches? Are we going to? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, we saw this up and down tonight. That no matter how over you are, no matter how mm-hmm. whatever you are as a champion, you know, AEW they like competitive matches. They liked everybody they t- took to the limit. Their interim world champ's going to get taken to the yeah. limit. So I mean, I guess that's just the way of way of it's going to be. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Wardlow still your TNT champion though. Yeah, uh, they do show us a video package. This is neat. So we have Pack, who is our new All Atlantic uh, champion. He has his first title defense uh, of that title at Rev Pro in England, and so they kind of give you like a little cinematic uh, montage of this match. Um, I thought this was interesting. That this is you know this is this new a new title, uh, and it's being defended outside of AEW. But uh, they're, they're they're showcasing. They gave it probably a minute or so uh, in this recap. Uh, Issa, what what did you like, or did you like anything of this of showing Pack overseas uh, carrying the AEW flag? Um, I, I I love seeing the titles go elsewhere. I wish we knew that the title was going to be defended elsewhere. Maybe you can get some fans to tune into Rev Pro or whatever it is that Thunder Rosa also went this week because I know mm-hmm. they added her match to Dark in which she lost. Which I don't even want to talk about that, but oh. um. Uh, I wish they would advertise that Pac is going to be defending this title at Ref Pro. Otherwise, to us, we just think that Pac won it up for Ben Doran. They haven't even shown him ever since. So I'm glad they highlighted it. But it would have been nice to make some kind of announcement last week so people would go you know, out of their way to see the match. But, I mean, is it going to be defended at AEW ever? Or are they too busy with their other 10,000 championships? I don't know. <laughs> And, and Jimmy, I don't know. Uh, I, I've heard of Rev Pro. I know they're one of the more respectable ones in England. I don't know mm-hmm. if this 
particular event was live stream or if they do that capability. But if, I, if I'm Tony Khan, if I'm going to let my champions defend their title and be booked at other promotions where they could potentially get hurt and they're making other promotions money, I would at least want to say, well, can we at least have it live stream so we can try to get eyes on it so people are aware of my talent and of this title? Uh, that would be, to me, kind of like the number one cri- criteria here. From a business standpoint, because I've, after all, this is the wrestling business, it would make sense to advertise it and and, and ha- get it out there online somewhere where people have to pay to watch this thing because some people will pay to watch this thing from over here on this side of the of the Atlantic since it's the All-Atlantic Championship. So it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. to be in England. That being said, you know, it, it, it I, I don't understand the secrecy behind it. Why not? advertise it why not put it out there we're talking forbidden door with all this work with new japan pro wrestling show that you're open to working with other promotions as well and put them over rev pro one of the top promotions in the uk our champions are going over there defending their art our our title belts with their promotion makes it it sounds simple Yeah, and some people were saying maybe they didn't advertise it because they did add these matches to Dark. I also was not aware that they showed the matches on Dark or to somebody that watched Dark. Let me know that they watched that Thunder Rosa lost there. So maybe just do a little of a better job to get people to go watch it. Maybe they didn't advertise it so you would tune into Dark, but I also didn't know the matches were on Dark. But overall, good for Pac to be showcased somehow. He is a champion of AEW. He should probably get more TV time. I'm all for uh, having title holders show up at different places if it's promoted well. I would just say this. If you do that, you have to make sure, AEW, that, yeah, you still consistently have your All-Atlantic champion featured, if not every week, every other week, something. Because all of a sudden, if, if, if public perception is, wow, they can only they only get to defend this title at other promotions. They're not even good enough for their own promotion to put them on their card. Yeah. Um, so, you so know, bit, yeah. carve, so out, carve out a little bit of time on Dynamite every now and again for it. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, as you said, and sorry to cut you off there, Justin, the first title defense for the All-Atlantic champion is not even with the promotion that the title belongs to. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the Toesis thing about the dark. I mean, and that's that's and that's that's like a big – that's the screaming off tr- from the mountain is that, like, you know, Dynamite is the most watched AEW thing, obviously. Like, But not everybody also watches Rampage, Dark, Elevation, et cetera, being the elite. So – uh, if if all stories have to flow through and be filled in some of those other places that you're going to run into, um, you know, you're going to run into confusion. So, but we'll see. But yeah, very cool. I thought this was a cool element though that they they did this little video package and they showed Pack mm-hmm. doing that title defense and gave a little shine to a Rev Pro. Hopefully, Rev Pro. Uh, of course, me. I work here with IWC Wrestling in Pittsburgh. I, I you know can uh, empathize and sympathize with the, uh, the 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 monthly regional independent promotions that are that are building talent up. Uh, so hopefully for Rev Pro, their next show gets a little bit better attendance. Uh, because they were featured on on AEW Dynamite, so good on that. All right, up next we get Chris Jericho, looking nice and dapper in a suit. He is uh, entering the ring, cut a cut a promo. He's going to answer Eddie Kingston's barbed wire match challenge, and uh, he basically starts to say it, it is just a, it's just a curse, a curse to be friends with Eddie Kingston. Notes uh, Ortiz head shaven, Santana injured. Brian Danielson out. Ruby Soho's crushed uh, hand and arm. Um, and he goes on to say that, you know, Eddie Kingston thinks that, you know, barbed wire is something that's going to scare Jericho. Jericho giving a little history lesson that he, in fact, was in the first ever barbed wire match ever in Canada uh, in his early 20s and that he won that and that as much pain as that inflicted, deep down it still gave him some pleasure. He's sadistic. He's, he's, he's sadistic. Never mind Eddie Kingston being a mark for Terry Funk and for Sabu. 
But the fact is Chris Jericho can be as dark, if not more violent than him. So next week it is going to be uh, the end of this saga. It's going to be the final battle. And Jericho says once he beats Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston can crawl back to the bottle, to the drugs, to the mental problems, whatever else he wants to use as an excuse of why he will never be on the level of a Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho said, in the words of ACDC, if you want blood, you got it. Wow. Yeah, well, Chris Jericho doing what he does best. But he's talking people into wanting to see a match, and that's exactly what he did tonight. That promo is classic Chris Jericho and and and, and seeing a different side to him a little bit, you know, touting the violent side of Chris Jericho, you know, giving us facts that I didn't even know that he had the first ever barbed wire uh, match in Canada. And you're Canadian. And I'm Canadian. It must have been in Winnipeg. So uh, that's why I hit. <laughs> it was in Appleton. Ah, uh, oh, ooh, okay. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he, he, that little segment there made me look forward to seeing, hey, now I'm kind of curious to see what goes on in this match. And that's what it's about, trying to get people invested into coming back and seeing. And Chris Jericho's a master at doing that with his words. Isa, he also noted that next week is going to be the pain maker, his alter ego gimmick. Yes. Very mm. prevalent in New Japan. Um, uh, I mean, that seems appropriate, right? Because it doesn't seem like in the suit, dapper Chris Jericho would be the bar bar type. It was, does seem like he's got to go in the closet, put on a change of clothes and be the pain maker. Yes, and, and I love that we don't see Jericho bring out the pain maker every time, right? We we know that he brings it out when he's probably expecting to have a very brutal match. I think the last time he really brought him out was for Nick Gage, if I'm not mistaken. That's the last time that he actually referred to himself as the pain maker and brought that side of himself out. I appreciated Jericho doing something different here. We'll get into Eddie Kingston's response. If I got to give the up and down here for once, because I love Eddie Kingston on the mic, but I thought Jericho had him tonight. Jericho killed this promo and he really made me miss Jericho as a single without a bunch of jobbers behind him kind of performer, because, you know, I appreciated just seeing him on his own cut his promo without all the distractions that he always brings with. Well, Kingston would probably holler they are jobbers. And they are jobbers. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, Kingston would probably yell at you, Issa, because uh, he does kind of say in his response and alludes to it. Well, yeah, Jericho got the better promo. Jericho got five minutes. Kingston got about 30 seconds backstage. Uh, because Kingston, he was going to say the same thing, though. He didn't bring anything different to his aspect. So, yeah, you know? yeah. Kingston was very blunt. He said, I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. And, Jer- and Jericho is like he always does, always evolving, always you know, changes up the tone, whether it's a, a little minute things that he says. And he's just, again, very engaging. And that's what it's all about. Man. Mm-hmm. Well, let's make our predictions before next week's match. Uh, is this, I mean, does like, does Eddie Kingston have to win this? Does that, is, I mean, this is the final match, final deal in the saga of Jericho Kingston as Jericho notes. Um, Jericho has been, you know, look, he's joking. He's been, he's, he's surrounded by jobbers. You know, Jericho since AEW's inception, has been in a group, and it's not because he can't stand alone. It's because I think he wants to, and Tony Khan wants to help try to elevate other guys yeah. by the legend that is Chris Jericho. Yeah. So by that same philosophy, is Chris Jericho going to give the win? Is he going to give the win to an Eddie Kingston and do the job, do the favor in, in a barbed wire he match? He did already. Or, oh, well, this a barbed wire match. Well, yeah, in a barbed wire match. And what's supposed to be you know, Eddie Kingston's world, which is more violence, mm-hmm. where Jer- Jericho is a sports entertainer. Eddie Kingston's a violent, hardcore wrestler. So I'm very curious, guys. What do you think is the outcome of this? That that's a good question because you could you can go you can make either either way work. You can make Eddie Kingston going over Chris Jericho again work big time, 
and Jericho is a master at reinventing himself so that I'm not worried there. Uh, my concern is if Chris Jericho does go over, does it send Eddie Kingston off the rail and turn him into an even more violent human being? You know what I mean? You, and that can work as well. And Chris Jericho could take that and see and, and get more heat on himself by telling the AEW audience who have, you know, that are very hardcore. See, I told you, sports entertainers will triumph over professional wrestlers every time. And boy, will that be heat. And Isa, we should know they kind of, I don't, I, I didn't catch it in the promos of Jericho and Kingston, but I think they pieced it together later in a Shivani backstage that the, the Daniel Garcia, uh, Angelo and Matt uh, of JAS, they are all going to be locked up in a shark cage elevated above the ring. So they will not be floating around to cause any outside interference. Which means they will cause outside interference. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you, we, we all know that's what that means. Yeah, um, I, I would like to see Eddie Kingston win here again. I feel like if Eddie Kingston beat Jericho when the field wasn't escalated to this level on a somewhat normal regular match, he should definitely be able to beat him here, uh, I would assume. But if not, it's not going to be clean. There's going to be a lot of people involved. <laughs> All right, very. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Kingston's going to get the win somehow, some way. Especially if they're taking, uh, especially if they put the rest of the JAS in the shark cages. I'm going to feel that it's going to be uh, an Eddie Kingston victory. But um, but how it's done is probably the most important. How it's done. Mm-hmm. For all we know, this could be the beginning of turning Jericho back in some, some form or fashion, or where maybe JAS ends up costing him the match and. Then he allows people to sing his entrance song again instead of getting hot about it. <laughs> that's that's one option. Uh, mm-hmm. Check the Fozzie schedule. Does he need to take a little bit of time off? But then at the same point, can you afford to have a Jericho take time off when you're already down yeah, right CM Punk? You're down mm-hmm. Brian Danielson. You're down. Yeah, you're, 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 there's so many guys you're down right now. Um, so, yeah, this will be very uh, – that, That's. I mean, it's, they certainly did. To, Jimmy said it. Jericho talked me into this one. So mm-hmm. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to see it. All right, interim AEW heavyweight championship match, defending champ John Moxley up against Kanoski Takeshita. Um, and, and this one, again, the fans very much, we've seen uh, Takeshita before. Uh, Good-looking kid, uh, good size uh, from Japan. Um, entertaining, he's kind of just got that natural kind of 1990s one, two, three kid, just uh, charisma to him. Just people kind of gravitate behind him. Obviously, he's bigger than what kid was. <laughs> but... Um, uh, this match, we get a German suplex on Moxley on the apron. They note uh, how how much Takeshita has studied uh, the German suplex. Uh, Takeshita gets busted open. I actually missed. I must have glanced away. I missed uh, what it was that caused the Crimson Mass to start. It happened during it. commercials. So you will see the picture yeah. in picture because okay. I missed yeah. it as well. Okay, so uh, that happened. A ton of close calls, false finish sequences. Mm-hmm. I mean, fans, again, were biting. Uh, belie- you know, which, again, is, 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 is a credit to the performers. You know, again, I don't think interim world champs already in audible calls. I don't know many that will actually believe that that this up and coming young stud is going to take the uh, interim AW world title from John Moxley on the second match of the night on Dynamite. But the fact that they got the fans engaged to react as loud as they did, props to both gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, tons of close calls. Ultimately, though, it's going to be the paradigm shift uh, segued into those hammering, uh, um, clubbering elbows, and then Moxley transitions that into a bulldog sleeper. So, uh, John Moxley again, just kind of on the war path right now as the interim world champion. Isa, the only logical destination, right, is there is their next pay per view is all out is to get CM Punk healthy and ready to uh to challenge Moxley to get an undisputed world champion. Am I, am I wrong? 
Yeah, if CM Punk is ready to go, I feel like um, every time we see a Moxley fight, I feel like the ending is going to be very predictable. But this match was an example that even though it's predictable, it doesn't take away from being enjoyable. I really enjoyed this match. I was not mm -hmm. familiar with his opponent. I know a little bit just based on what we've seen him in AEW, but we haven't seen him much. He won me over halfway through this match. I'm paying attention. I'm watching his every move. The Crimson Mask helped, but he held his own. And if it's like your first, second, third time seeing him, I would assume that his performance tonight really did something. And I always speak very highly about how Moxley always does this. All of Moxley's matches, like he manages to put the person over in defeat, which is mm -hmm. very hard to do. Um, and even on a predictable match that you could have easily turn away, they managed to put on a match that made you not want to turn away or turn the channel. So good for them. But I don't see Moxley losing until Punk comes back. That's just, you know, my, my honest opinion. At this point, I almost wish we didn't have him defending the title on TV every week because it feels, I'd rather see him going some kind of significant feud. You know, if, if we don't see him, Punk's not ready for a couple of months, then put him in a feud. In, in the meantime, make him interesting. Well, and that's the curse, Jimmy, of um, to that point. That's kind of the curse of, of doing the interim title thing. And uh, yeah, there's different philosophies of this. I mean, look, WWE's gone routes where they've decided to have interim champions or, or fake champion. I mean, obviously, look, one of the best payoffs ever, Sean and Razor, of who's the real intercontinental champion. But it does create the the predictable scenario of okay there's never been somebody who's become interim champion and then who's dropped that interim title to somebody like the interim title doesn't get passed around if you're interim champion you're that until the real champion comes back and until it's time mm -hmm. for you two to square off so mm -hmm. i mean if i'm kind of surprised in a way tony khan went this route because it's like okay you don't if your champion and punk is sidelined for several months from the very beginning of the tnt title you try to tell us it's going to be just as important or cody Rhodes trying to tell yeah. us it's going to be just important you're launching an all-atlantic title you have you have your tag champions, you have your ROH champions. So it's not like you have any shortage of hardware to be defending and, and, right. and propping up. So I, I kind of question, was it really necessary to have an because again, unless if Tony Khan wants to rewrite the wrestling world, if he wants to reinvent the wheel, have Moxley drop this interim title. That would blow yes. me away if the interim but title actually starts changing hands. Or that, if you put him in a in a in a in a significant field, then that's where he loses mm -hmm. it. You become more invested. What See, if Jimmy, yeah. what if what if Moxley drops the interim title to somebody else, mm -hmm. and then and then and then at some point when Punk comes back and he's ready, well now both Moxley and that somebody else have both a, a claim to, to make of well I should be challenging Punk because I was interim champion well so was I and, yeah. and if, there's, if there's another person now we have got a mm -hmm. fatal four way. No, it, it could absolutely work if 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 Moxley were to drop the title, but it has to be the right person. At the yes. right time. And if you're thinking about it, someone who hasn't been mentioned or seen from in weeks, it, can you imagine if MJF shows up on it? Let's say Mox, Mox comes out and does an open challenge and here comes MJF and he manages to win the interim uh, AEW oh my God. Stop, <clears throat> World Jimmy, Heavyweight stop Championship. It. And then it leads into Double or Nothing where him and Punk go at it. No. See, like you said, I do. Uh, I enjoyed this match very much tonight. I thought it was a very good match. And like you said, Isa, he did elevate um, the young, his young opponent and, and, and made people who weren't maybe familiar with him go, hey, you know, there's something. This kid's got something. That's great. But having him on every week and having him in the second match, you know, not, it, yeah. it, it made the, like, like Justin kind of alluded to, it made the interim AEW World Heavyweight Champion feel less important than TNT champion. 
why was this match placed second? It could have been placed on the crossover hour. It could have been placed anywhere else where it, it, it's significant, but it wasn't. It was the second match, and it just felt like, why now? Yeah, um, interim champion. So I, I agree. I mean, I, I just, you know, interim always, you know, like, you know, I'm wearing my Baltimore Orioles hat. We were joking. Mm-hmm. Toronto Blue Jays up there, Jimmy. Fired the manager, so now there's an interim. Ma- Whenever there's an interim manager, interim coach, I'm always like, "Oh, that poor guy." Yeah, that's, that's just that, that's just, that's just the term for you're being you're the guy that we have to just throw in there because you're the only one that's already got a you, you already have a key card to the building. Yeah, you're we're interim, literally using you. <laughs> we're calling you interim because we are definitely finding somebody better than you once the offseason yeah. comes. Until until the key card flashes red and you go, "Wait, yeah, you know." <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, interim. Um, Again, I, I think AEW they have plenty of other titles, and you have two promotions, AEW and ROH. I, I don't know, so I know we had to go this route, but it's the route they've gone. So now we just get to fantasy book, um, yeah. and, and that's and that's where we're. But at. That's fine. I, and fun. I also want to point out, and we saw Rigo later with Claudio, but I also want to point out after Blood and Guts, it feels very confusing on which faction Moxley is a part of because we know he's best friends with yeah. Eddie Kingston, right? Mm-hmm. And Kingston is with Santana and Ortiz, but then you have the B. CCN is just like, I, I'm confused about where he belongs because he's also doing his own thing solo because he's the interim champ. It's, it got very confusing when they combined those two groups together because I feel like Kingston, I'm sorry, Moxley is like the middle piece of that brought them all together. But it's very confusing to figure out who he's with and what's going on with him. No, that's fair. I mean, and we should know Regal was on commentary, so that they're trying to keep that branding that he's part of the Blackpool Comic yeah. Club. I, bottom line, Brian Danielson is the is the bedrock of that that whole faction, and the fact that he's not there and not even on TV, mm-hmm. that just kind of hurts us. That, that, that yeah, makes that it, confusion there. Yeah, it, it diminishes that they're not coming out together like they were when Brian was there. Yeah, well, and Moxley, even though they would come out together, like you know, Brian would come out, Regal would come out, Wheeler, yeah. they'd all come out, and then Moxley would do a se- separate entrance. So right. Mo- he's he's remained kind of the island of his of his own. Um, mm-hmm. But I agree, Brian being out right now is certainly throwing them for a loop. And you're right, where is Moxley? Where is his allegiance? So yeah, um, they have Regal on commentary, um, tr- trying to keep, I think, trying to keep that branding going. But it, I, I don't know how well. I want to shout out Bernie in DC. He he brought up a comment. He said the German suplex. From Takeshita on um, Mox on the apron, so damn unnecessary. <laughs> Bernie, I, I'm, I mean, look, I, I'm always, I'm always cringy of, of bumps on the, um, yeah. the apron. I will say though, as a fun fact, AEW does have a custom ring. They actually have their aprons are wider than your standard ring would be, be for, the, for the fact that they try to give a little more room mm-hmm. for guys to land and execute their bumps uh, and not be on the edge of where uh, the wood and the steel meet. So. Uh, it, it, I still cringe, but I, I do think I, I think that's actually a smart thing that AEW did in, in their design was okay. Mm. The style of guys we're going to have and what they're going to try and, and bumps on the apron to become a more risque part of, uh, of yes. today's product. So at least they try to gimmick the ring, for lack of a better term, and, and give them a little mm. more real estate to work with. As someone who has set up rings for a living, uh, you can give it a little bit of extra room, but it, it's not going to make that much of a difference. The only thing that could make that much of a difference is if they increase the the uh, the padding. That's it. Which I don't know if they, I, I mean, I, would that be noticeable mm-hmm. under the canvas, Jimmy? Do you think that they've done anything like that? Would that be noticeable? Okay. To it, it would be noticeable when when they're walking like on the uh, on the apron if you see their feet sinking in a little or something okay. like that. But. Well. 
Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm with you. The stuff on the apron, you, you know, they say it's the hardest part of the ring for a reason, other than the ring post, obviously, but it, because there is absolutely no give. Sure. No, yeah, there, yeah, there, there's no, it is, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's none of that going on for sure. No, no. All right, we get Christian Cage out, uh, to a course of booze and he has a separate entrance. Uh, then Luchasaurus follows him out. Real quick, do you like that they're branding them still? They're together, but I like, but Christian's got his music, and then Luchasaurus has got his new music and pyro. Uh, it's kind of a nice feel. They're together, but it is nice that they're yes. letting Luchasaurus not just have to uh, follow Christian out like a little mm-hmm. dog on a leash. I like that mm-hmm. he gets his own his own absolutely atmosphere. Yep. yep. Me too. Which is what I think is one of the things that Christian Cage probably used to win him over in their conversations that we still. Don't really know how Christian got Luchasaurus to come to the dark side, but I guarantee you, giving him his own presence and not being the dinosaur to, you know, Jungle Boys probably had to be appealing to him. So Christian's going to cut a promo. We got uh, the Varsity Blondes in the ring. Uh, Griff Garrison is going to be the one who's going to be in action. Brian Pillman uh, Jr. is in street clothes. Uh, Christian starts his promo, and Pillman uh, says, you know, just like Jungle Boy, you know, you had a famous dad, but at least your dad was in this business, so I respect him a little bit that he actually put it all out there. But Bottom line, your dad, Brian Pillman Sr., he was average at best. Uh, then takes a note to Griff Garrison, who tweeted a picture. Uh, the picture, uh, Christian says, draws some resemblance to Jungle Boy, just the entire look. And because of that, that's enough to anger Luchasaurus, who's going to hit the ring, have a match with Griff Garrison. He's going to end up beating him with that submission hole that's basically uh, mm-hmm. Jungle Boy's submission. So beats Garrison in pretty uh, f- quick fashion. And then after that, he's going to choke slam Griff onto Pillman, onto the timekeeper's table. He's going to have to do it twice to get the table to break. So Luchasaurus continuing uh, his heel dominance here. This is the kind of squash match I think we all were maybe envisioning for a Wardlow title defense, but we get it here. Again, reading my mind, it's exactly what I was thinking when you were were describing that, was why wasn't this the match we got with Wardlow, who is the most over babyface possibly they have right now. And now, uh, you know, Luchasaurus teaming up with Christian, who is getting legit heel heat. Yes, he went there again tonight, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, as promo. And and Luchasaurus, guilty by association, is also getting that heat. And they're doing it right with him and making him into that that what appears to be unbeatable monster right now. And that's what, yeah, I agree with you, Justin. That should have been kind of the route they took in the first match with, with uh, Wardlow, but not against OC. Lisa, let me ask you, uh, are we kind of like booking it right now? Or are we booking the territory? Is Luchasaurus going to be, uh, is that the paper? Is that a pay-per-view match for Wardlow? Is Luchasaurus on the track? I mean, obviously we still need to get Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, but like right. is Luchasaurus somebody they're building up to be uh, a possible real challenge for a guy like a Wardlow? I mean, possibly they're doing everything they can to build him up that way. And, you know, to Jimmy's point, I don't think that AEW does I, they could do better at booking the squash match for baby faces. They do it for the heels all the time. Mm. They don't know how to book a good squash match on a baby face. And <laughs> I don't understand why, because that's when it's more enjoyable. Um, regardless, I didn't, I, I don't know what Christian Cage's issues is with dead fathers, but he needs to stop. <laughs> this was probably my least favorite promo out of everything that he's cut since his turn. It was still good, but it made no sense. And he didn't have any continuation to what we saw last week. Mm. Is Luchasaurus just going to go through people? Well, then that's fine. But why is he kind of starting something with hard with Matt Hardy last week? And we move on to this. It just felt mm. he's they're all over the place. Yeah. Maybe a result of, again, AW having so many people that, okay, we haven't had the varsity mm. blondes out there. Let's, you know, let's, 
uh, do the spin the wheel who gets to go out <laughs> I, that's the problem spinning the wheel when you could be continuing a storyline at least have yeah a, a, you know, there are weeks where I, like I say, after every match is a run-in, there's somebody, there's something going on. There's there's 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10-pound bag they try to squeeze in. And this week, I didn't get that as much. And this was a night where they could have used someone like a Matt Hardy, even to show up on the screen and say, hey, I haven't forgot about you guys. You know, you, you keep, your, you, you keep your, your eyes open at your 6 o'clock or whatever the case may be. Well, I think the challenging thing with Matt is that, like, I think people would clamor for – uh, a little nostalgia of Matt mm. and obviously Jeff versus a Christian and his new modern day partner, Lucha Source. Mm. But I think obviously Jeff being the wild card, it's kind of, you kind of got to keep yeah. that piece there on the side. Cause we just don't know when Jeff, if, and will mm. be back. Um, so yeah, but there's, but, there's just a lack of storylines. There, there's mm. a lot yeah. of matches being thrown together and no storylines being told. And that's what made 80% of the show predictable i'm not saying it wasn't enjoyable we got a lot of really good in-ring action i like a squash mm -hmm. match you know but i i mean i love the ending because they actually shocked me everything else you kind of knew what how it was going to mm -hmm. go and who was going to win yeah uh dylan matthews brings up a, a comment uh i know a lot of people said this luchasaurus new music is a ripoff of yeah. kane's music if you listen yeah i will say that when the luchasaurus first came out at, under this and a couple weeks ago between the organ mm -hmm. and the yeah. red and the fire i mean if, if you're if you were around mm. for Kane, I mean, it's hard not to kind of draw that, yeah. you know, um, comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if that was on purpose. I don't know what it was. Um, you know, if, if he starts coming out and doing more Kane mannerisms, then I'll start to really have a problem with it. But I think it's, it's the wrestling business. Everything's yeah. been borrowed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so Luchasaurus continuing to be, mm -hmm. uh, he and Christian uh, continue to be one of the, you know, MJF's been off TV now for a while. We don't know what the situation is. Uh, Christian got a stepping in on the, uh, on the pushing the buttons for heat comments. Yeah. yeah. And of course, Luchasaurus yeah, right. being built there. Yeah. Uh, we do get, I don't think I brought a uh, note of this in the last few episodes, uh, but they did this and Jim Ross gets brought out for hour two. We hear mm -hmm. the old uh, Boomer Sooner music. He comes out, he's been part of hour two. Uh, the last couple of weeks on commentary desk, basically he joins commentary then, and then Shivani's kind of you know on assignment backstage. Uh, uh, Jimmy, do you do you like that? Do you, uh, is this you know obviously unfortunately wrestling Twitter will be what it is. You know Jr. gets beat up every, if he if he dare slips and calls a wrestler by their WWE name, and I mean like is this is this phasing jr out is this easing his workload because i mean he's still traveling to each of these mm -hmm. cities right he's just being asked to do one less hour of on-air work so i don't know if it's necessarily helping like, like, what do you what do you make of this or is this just uh, hey let's mix it up let's get excalibur shivani and taz for the first hour i mean what is it is it a branding thing i think there's a little bit of everything you just mentioned giving him a, a lighter workload a little bit yes he is traveling to each uh, TV every week, but at the same time, he is having issues. I, I, I know he, he put out on his social media that traveling now on airplanes, you know, his feet are swelling and stuff like that. He's having issues in that regard. Enlightening his workload, I think, will help him. But at the same time, um, bringing him up for the second hour makes him feel special, and he is special. Jr. is one of the best to ever sit behind a microphone and call a match. And it, it, that it does enhance, but at the same time, I think this is them also preparing for the future where he may not be able to travel again, unfortunately. And I hope that's not the case because I love Jr. Jr. is is awesome. I've always, uh, you know, had a soft spot for for Jr. So uh, I hope he's okay. And 
this continues where he comes out at least for the second hour and makes that feel special. Issa, uh, uh, Brandy says on Facebook, JR commented on it today. It's Tony's idea, which I find stupid. Um, you know, like, look, I, if I, JR was a great credibility get to have for AEW to launch, have Dynamite launch and have people hear that vo- the voice who's, who's the soundtrack of, of so many famous moments of Foley going off the cage. Austin era has begun all whatever. So I think, I mean, they can afford not to have JR on. I mean, I, I think of anything, if you want to make it feel special, maybe save JR just for the pay-per-views. Yes, pay-per-views you know? or mm-hmm. even the specials that you do on television. You know, like, for example, now Fighter Fest. Maybe you can have it travel for the two weeks of Fighter Fest and then not to the regular Dynamites because they do a lot of the special TV shows like Grand Slam. I think it'll be mm-hmm. special to have him come to Grand Slam instead of joining the second hour. Whatever, whatever they feel is best for JR's, you know, health and whatever it is that he needs. I know he's been struggling with a few things based on what I've been reading. So, listen, whatever makes him more comfortable, I'm, I'm okay with. Like you said, he's a legend, and I do like him not being there for the whole show. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I rather them save him for a special occasion. It will feel even bigger. Sure. Well, cheers to JR, who I know yeah. loves his loves his Moscow mule. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so does Bad Bunny. Do you know that? Uh, you would be the one to tell me that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you've mixed his Moscow mules. <laughs> Big fan of Moscow mules now. Okay. <laughs> Not enough to try that. You never uh, try that, Jimmy. It's good. Yeah. Little 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 vodka, little ginger beer. Uh, I'm gonna have to give it a shot. Get a nice nice cold mug. It's mm-hmm. way to go. All right. Uh, well, JR's out there, one Oklahoman uh, to another Oklahoman as Jake Hager's out there against Claudio. So this is the crossovers. So this is where, as we said earlier, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this is where you put the Moxley interim match, uh, interim title match. But nonetheless, they give us Hager and Claudio. A lot of acknowledgement, never saying the letters WWE, but a lot of acknowledgement by Excalibur, especially on commentary of these two guys and their tag team history together. Uh, Excalibur had, must have been in the WWE encyclopedia. He had the amount of time that these two guys he had over 100 tag matches they had together, and he had the the 10 singles matches they've had against each other and the 6-4 and four mm-hmm. record that is in favor of Claudio, I believe. So mm-hmm. uh, Excalibur had the WWE archives keyed up <laughs> to get Good. all of his fun facts here. And look, the crowd even had a brief We the People chant, um, which is funny to me because you know they were together in their WWE iterations with Zeb Coulter as the We the People movement for a minute, but if you... If I look at Claudio, a.k.a. Cesaro, I think tag team, the first thing that comes to my mind is is Sheamus. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that fans reach back to what was, God, nine years ago, I think. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, mm. I, I think I think the bar. I think, you know, raising the bar yeah. or la bar, mm. uh, as they once said. <laughs> um, nonetheless, this match kicks off out of the, out like a cannon. It's a, basically mm. a greatest hits of their signature moves. Again, mm-hmm. kind of acknowledging their WWE work. It's running uppercuts. It's the, the the Hager in the corner, you know, bonsai drop kind of bomb. And it's, um, yeah. you know, it's it's the big swing. It was yeah. just like, let's play the hits. Let's get it mm-hmm. going. Let's not waste any time. Yeah. Uh, say it, just, just say it. What? Big, meaty men slapping meat. Well, at one point, Regal's back on commentary because of Claudio. <laughs> and at one point, Regal says, I just love two big guys beating the stuffing out of each other. And I almost <laughs> text. I couldn't text you fast enough, so I just stopped. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. Tremendous. Uh, I was just waiting for Regal to go, bangers and mash, you know. Mm. <laughs> what? But uh, I will say this. What a solid match. Those guys worked so well together. They just had that chemistry, and they were 
Uh, very snug, for lack of a better term. Uh, everything was. Uh, but they everything... wouldn't have it. They wouldn't have it any other way, Jimmy, because you know no. if one if no. one of them loosens up, the other one's going to call the other one out on it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it, it, we'll call them out in the ring on it. But anyways, uh, I, I did. I enjoyed this match very much. I think the right guy went over in this one, and you know, it, uh, Claudio is again. You, you talk about soft spots. I like Claudio, good dude. Uh, but uh, and I like Jake. I I, I don't have a problem with him, but. Getting back to watching it from a fan's perspective, this was a match that I got into. They got me invested. Like you said, Justin, they pulled out all the greatest hits, but yeah. they all worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Issa, how is it that these two guys are fighting each other at whatever ages they are in 2022, and they're in the best shape? So that they look better than they did 10 years ago fighting each other. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Claudio's cardio has to be absolute insanity. He can be in a match going crazy, and you look at him, and he looks like he just walked in. Like he always looks fresh, never looks winded. It's pretty amazing what they did tonight. I, I did enjoy this match. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's a, it was a different style than what we used to, you know, in AEW. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it. And I, as critical as we have been of some of the WWE debuts in AEW, they're really so far doing a really good job with Claudio here. Mm-hmm. He's gotten, he hasn't lost. He's been in a spotlight. He's been, you know, highlighted every week. So ho- we'll see where this goes. But, you know, mm-hmm. people in line for title shots, I think Claudio is slowly making his way there too. Yeah, it was Claudio's dynamite singles debut, so he gets the win. But and look, Jake Hager, Jake has not been overexposed. Jake does not get um part of it's because he's not there all the time. So I know he's doing his MMA training. Right. So he's been kind of amazingly, he's been there since the start of Dynamite, and he has not been overexposed. Uh his singles matches kind of still feel novel when he's out there, which I, yeah. I think that's actually mm-hmm. a credit to them that they've been able to maintain that. Uh, yeah, for a guy who yeah, they should also think about that for other talent as well that don't need to be on every week. Like we mentioned earlier with someone like a Mox. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Have them do a backstage promo for 30 seconds a minute if you want to showcase them on television every week. He doesn't have to be in the ring every week. I, yes, I get it. They want to get that entrance in, walking through the crowd. Looks very cool. But at the same time, doesn't need to be there every week. Yeah. Couple comments. Uh, Dylan says raise the bar needs to be a shirt. There's actually a there's actually a promo that floats out there in video on the internet of uh, Sheamus and Cesaro as the bar yep. saying <laughs> that they uh, that I yep. that I'm not just the bar. I, I I raise <laughs> raise the bar. Uh, we also have uh, R Y N Claudio needs to put over Wardlow. Wouldn't that be a show with those two? <laughs> um. So I, again, maybe maybe a match down the line. Uh, Bandy Jacobs Hager gets too much hate online. The guy never has a bad match. Uh, I agree. I mean, I, I I think dating back to his Jack Swagger days, he he's always had a bit of um. I I I, I mean, he had a little bit of a lisp to always when he cut his promos. I don't know if it was that. I don't know what. It, I don't know if it was uh, Jack Swagger was a guy who a rare one in the days of tape SmackDown won the SmackDown won the world heavyweight title and SmackDown during a tape show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what it's been with him. He's always had a little bit of a, an extra, I feel like mountain to climb with getting wrestling fans as, which is ironic because this guy is a natural all American actual wrestler. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what the, the issue has been, mm-hmm. but you got me on that one. All right. Uh, up next, we got to talk about Jimmy to talk about not being there every week and this and that, you know, we haven't seen much Dr. Britt Baker lately. And she interrupts Ugh. the thunderstorm promo of uh Tony storm and thunder Rosa. And Britt just kind of sums up. She goes, this place has been a disaster without me here. She's not wrong. <laughs> no, no. I, I, when you look at, the, when you look at the lineup, uh, the entire lineup of roster that the, of women that the AEW has, it, 
it's very uh, it's a deep roster. There's some talented women on that roster that we're not getting to see, except for that spot like they were tonight, the one match right before mm-hmm. the main event, which is their usual spot yep. every week. Which is, you know, I could I could make that my almost like guarantee that make it my Thursday ref and rant every week that uh, this is the only spot they put the women in. Don't get me wrong. I know we're going to get to it. They, the, the women tonight had a good match. They had a really good match. and I, I enjoyed it, but at the same time, the placement of it, again, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's my weekly, that's my weekly fit, so I, I, I'm glad you brought it up and I didn't have to, but Britt Baker making her appearance backstage and she has it Jade has it, and mm-hmm. I feel bad that they put her in this spot because, you know, you have Thunder Rosa, your current world champion, who, who deserves to be given a much better ring, and they just haven't written her the right storylines. Again, we need better storylines. She's there, and she just looks like somebody that went to a different promotion to job out. She didn't look like the champion, and Britt Baker just owned all of them on the mic. Uh, yeah, I miss seeing Britt Baker on my TV. It definitely feels like, and interesting that both were just in backstage promos, kind of as East was talking about, you know, the biggest, just for perception, the biggest money women's match AEW has, the biggest bullet they have in the chamber is an eventual Britt Baker, Jade Clark, Britt and Jay, yeah. which, is, which is funny mm-hmm. on a few levels. One, Jade is nowhere near as experienced as Britt or many of the other women. Two, Jade is not a, Jade is not a Ruby She's not a uh, she's not somebody coming over from WWE. Um, she is a homegrown AEW talent by that definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe Jade, maybe she's not yet ready for that in terms of what they need to have delivered in a 15 minute match. So I just wonder how long would they keep those two? And and they're both heel antagonists. Britt could right. very easily Britt can very easily flip the switch and go back to being Britt's kind of like Jericho of '99. Mm-hmm. She can flip the switch and be booked against the heel. But still act, act obnoxious, but she can get cheered, and it's actually kind of a, yeah. quite, quite quite the gift, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the money match, whether it's an all out or a double or nothing, or whatever. That's kind of the thing: is how long do you keep them apart until you're ready for them to explode on each other? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the, the, again, when you're talking about talking people into into the seats, into buying a pay per view, into buying a uh, a premium live event, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, Britt has a gift of gab. She can talk people. Uh, and get mm-hmm. to and get them in in interested, you know. Yeah. Well, so. Justin, to your point, they can probably keep them apart forever since the women only get ten minutes on TV once a week. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, they keep them apart, but then what happens if a Sasha Banks shows up, or what? You know, what what acquisition do they throw into the mix? Uh, Less time know. for them. Yeah, so we'll yeah. get five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. We won't see Thunder Rosa once a quarter or something like that. There you go. All right, well, we do get Anna Jay up against Serena Deeb. Uh, this is going to end with uh, Anna Jay. She, of course, is the hometown girl. She's going to tap, though, mm-hmm. and the serenity lock from Deeb. Deeb does not let go of the lock even after the match, and Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez, the Ring of Honor women's champion, mm-hmm. comes out to make the save and run off Serena Deeb here. Uh, Jimmy, you said you enjoyed this match. I mean, it was cool seeing Anna Jay and, her, and the hometown crowd, families at ringside. This match is a little, little clunky to me. Well, I know, but it, but it, it for me it was okay to be a little bit clunky. I, mm. Every match doesn't have to be smooth and look like it's been. One, I was okay with it. I, I didn't well, mind. Look, it that I, much. I, I, I like I like matches that look like a real struggle at times mm-hmm. that don't look so choreographed. But this just look, 
don't know. There was, I, well, I, I try not to be hard on him. Yeah. This, this was just like, I don't know. Yeah, so, I, it, there, there's too many moments that. that took me out of it. I'll put it that way. Okay, no, that's that's absolutely fair, and I just didn't uh, understand why why the ROH Women's Champion would come out and see what was the, the reason. Because Mercedes and Serena Deeps are having a match at Ring of Honor pay per view that right. they're also managing to promote in Dynamite while they're trying to promote Fighter Fest next week. Again, mm. you're 20 pounds of you know potatoes, potatoes. in a 10 pound <laughs> sack. There was too much going on there. I didn't exactly. like this match. I didn't like this match. I was I'm with Justin on this one. I was it took me a little out and I don't know. I didn't like Ada Jay's match with Jade at the pre review either, but I really did like her when they had that crazy street match. We, you know, when they were all involved, I thought that shows such a different side of her. What she's done after that, I'm not sure that it's showing a lot of growth on her. Maybe it's the character. I don't know what it was, but I wasn't I, I didn't like this match. Yeah, just clunky. Yeah. Uh, they 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 had Anna Jay in a backstage too. Ty Conti comes up to her former best friend and mm. basically questioned her choices she makes. Uh, Anna Jay still a line of the Dark Order, so maybe yeah. hinting towards uh, something out of that. Yeah, I mean, okay. this is the portion of the women's of the show, and Britt stole it, and she yeah. wasn't even part of the line. And she's in the there backstage. You go. So. Yeah, and and you see. Brit show up and interrupt the thunderstorm promo and then you see ty do it later trying to kind of get the same effect and she does it that mm. felt like a try hard you're trying too hard to be a heel where with Brit, it feels so organically i mm -hmm. didn't i didn't like the backstage segment i like seeing some kind of continuation because ty conti and anna jay were the best of friends until she got with sammy guevara so mm. it's good to see that part of it but it felt very forced yeah yeah We'll uh, we'll get Britt on as a guest. There you go. One of these shows. We I wish I wish I always joke with her that she's a rekindle our chair shot reality days and come back mm -hmm. on. So we'll make it happen. We'll get we'll get her on. Well, I mean, good, good you God, know me, you, uh, you know yeah. me and Britt sister <laughs> each other, right? I uh, don't get me started. Could, I was okay. saying, could, could you could you could you imagine could you imagine could you imagine a Hollywood Squares that has uh, Jimmy the ref has Issa the Demon Diva and has and has Doctor Britt and then there I am in the middle yeah. to to try to. <laughs> Try to I'll, take, I'll take a ref bump and get a tooth pulled or something like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Main event. Uh, Three-way tag team match for the AEW tag team titles. Of course, your champions, the Young Bucks, defending up against Ricky Starks and a powerhouse Hobbs, up against Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. Starks still carrying around that FTW title. Of course he is. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure my eighth grade bowling trophy is more valuable than the FTW title, uh, but we have to bring out Tassis to make reference that Starks is holding the damn FTW title. Yeah. Who do you ever beat for? Uh, this is an agility show-off to start. Obviously, all six of these athletes, uh, you would expect nothing less. So, a lot of agility, a lot of cool moments. We're seeing some top rope walking. Uh, we've got a cool moment of Powerhouse Hobbs and Lee, kind of the, the two guys, two powerhouses just in, in each other's face, so a little uh, test of strength there. We get a ref bump. It's a little, uh, little, little, little. Do I fall? Do I fall yet? Do I fall now? <laughs> Referee Rick Knox makes takes a mat, uh, bump. Matt Jackson then uses this time. Uh, well, ref bump. Swerve considers maybe turning on Lee. Decides not to. Decides they're better off pursuing their 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 friendship and teamwork. Matt Jackson takes advantage of that uh, moment of friendliness. Jackson low blows. He uses the belts to hit everybody. Uh, is this the end? No, it's not the end. Refs back up. This is just a falsy. 
We see Powerhouse Hobbs. He has a, a buffet of spine busters he delivers to everybody. That gets the crowd with a This Is Awesome champ. Uh, we're going to see Swerve. He's going to go off the top rope and try to catapult Ricochet off of Lee's chest and moonsault on everybody. And ultimately, Swerve is going to hit the Swerve stomp on Ricky Starks. And we have your new AEW Tag Team Champions. Uh, Jimmy, was this a swerve? Did you expect a title change? And if you did, did you expect it to be swerve and Lee? Uh, I did not expect the title change. I'll be honest with you. I thought that because it was a three-way that this was a way to keep the titles on the Young Bucks with having one of the other teams doing all the dirty work, so to speak, and helping, you know, and them stealing the win that way. Uh, that being said, uh, I, 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 I'm okay with the title change. I just didn't, there were things in the match. Look, there was some fun stuff. There were some creative spots. They did some good stuff that was very entertaining. But at the same time, uh, if I can critique what you talked about, the ref bump. Uh, first of all, it looked like he was trying to, right as it was coming, he was trying to hurry himself into position to take the bump. And it was a big squash in the corner. He should have crumbled. Not stagger out, not, you know what I mean? He should have just crumbled and stayed there. Instead, uh, you know. Uh, he looked like, was. Jimmy, he looked like he, I know he's a veteran ref. He looked like he'd never take a rough ref bump in his life. No, exactly. It looked like somebody came to him and said, we're going to work a ref bump into this match. Which, by the way, it was a stupid, well, not stupid. It was an, a questionable place of, do you even need a bump there? You guys do more things with the ref standing vertical than this. Do we even have a bump? But but then mm -hmm. somebody said, we're going to bump you. And, and it felt like he probably went, how do I do that? Because it did not come off as no. it was fluid at all. No, and and this is a match where it's easily easy to distract a referee with so many people in the match where you didn't need to bump the referee. You know, I get it. They don't like doing ref bumps. And the one time they do it is when they don't really use it. it. Yes, exactly. Uh, the other thing that hit me uh, kind of uh, in the bad spot in this match was kicking out of a belt shot. Hmm. You know what I mean? I, I Oh, look, I get, you know, people are starting to kick out of people's finishes and stuff like that, but the belt shot almost seems sacred. Right. You know, if it was somebody like a Wardlow, you could understand it it's maybe. It's the power in the belt, and if you get hit with the belt, you're not getting up. Uh, I don't know. I just uh, I just thought that it, it, it got too confusing, and at the end, it was very confusing as to who the legal person was in the ring, because at one yeah. point, I think even the announcers got it wrong. Yes, they did. So, they did. you know, if they're confused and they're the ones that were supposed to be telling us the story, then what is the crowd doing as well? Ace, I'll get to you in one second, but real quick on that point, Jimmy, to, as a referee thing. Uh, I, maybe, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to this. If you're doing a three-way tag team match, mm -hmm. do you agree with the logic of there only being two legal men or should there be three legal men, one from each team? Tonight was two legal men. So meaning at mm -hmm. some point, somebody at some point, both participants from one team are not even involved in the mm -hmm. potential pinfall finish. Uh, thoughts on the logic or theory behind making your own rules of how many you have legal. No, I, I don't have a problem with it because I've seen it both ways and I've actually worked matches in both ways where it has been a three-way match where one member of each team has been in the ring. And I've also worked the three-team uh, three matches where there are two guys in the ring and you can tag any team, uh, anyone from any team to to, to enter. Right. You know, so, so you can make a case for either one. I kind of like the idea 
of having three guys starting it and having it like a triple threat match. Because it is, you know. Well, to me, that's lo- to me that's logical. It, yeah. Because yes. why would you want to? Like that's that's so weird to not have an entire team even present in in what's legal for a pinfall. Part of the fun is the right. triple threat mentality of the champions don't even have to be pin- the champions are legal. There's a member of the legal of the champions team legal, but they don't even have to be pinned to lose their title. Right. That's that's part of the fun of the whole psychology exact- of it all. Exactamundo. All right, Isa. Um. Ref bumps aside, a ref bump that seemed not even needed. Ugh. Ref bump aside, uh, thoughts on the match, and do you agree on new tag team champions uh, swerve in their glory? Uh, no, because I wanted to see the Young Bucks and FTR have like a winner take all with all of the gold, and and I felt we were building towards that. So seeing the, the Young Bucks get a trans, it feels like a transitional like title ring. This was what two, three weeks they haven't had these titles for long. So they wanted that show in California. That wasn't too long ago. So I, I like Swerve and Keith Lee. Just feels so out of nowhere. At the same time, you kind of had to pull. You had to do something with them. They already gotten enough title shots and they lost all of them. So I feel like if they lost again tonight, they become, sorry, powerhouse and Starks. Because I have absolutely no belief that they're going to win these titles anytime soon. I did like the partnership of Starks with the Young Bucks. I know it only lasted a good three seconds, but I love seeing them work together. I love the little pose off in the middle of the ring, and then, of course, it went away. But, yeah, I was actually rooting a little bit more for Team Taz than Keith Lee and Swerve, just because I feel like they're just never going to do anything with these guys outside of the F- the title that doesn't mean anything. So, But I was glad to see a shocking result. I just don't want AEW to start passing belts around like crazy because I feel like a lot of their belts lost a little bit of momentum, like the TNT title, by going through a lot of title changes. It was a fun ending. I like the decision. I My critique would be this. Stop cramming everything to the end because what happened mm-hmm. was, again, they ran over time. They're over 10 o'clock Eastern. Mm-hmm. The big tag team win happens. And you couldn't even embrace the celebration because we had to quickly start showing lower thirds. Ramp, you know, Excalibur, bless his heart on how his ability to hold his breath and uh, get these plugs out. He sounds like one of the voiceover guys at the end of a, of a pharmaceutical. You know, this product is going to give you hive shingles, uh, uh, an ir- irregular boner. You might have irregular bowel movements. You might, and he rambles it all <laughs> like he's getting it all up. Like, let this let the damn team win at 958. Let give me two minutes of a celebration. Let me embrace mm-hmm. it. Let me you know, don't give it to me at 10 o'clock and 30 seconds late where you're calling the network right. saying I need an extra 90 seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's my biggest critique is, is you don't let the fans mm-hmm. at home embrace in a baby face. There's confetti. You're trying to tell mm-hmm. everybody this is a big ticker tape parade moment, but I can't even have fun with it because we got to move on to mm-hmm. uh <laughs> whatever else is on tv that sheldon cooper on big bang theory mm-hmm. um but nonetheless uh fun ending it was a fun ending didn't mm-hmm. i did not that was not my prediction of who would win this so a, a fun ending overall uh to cap off the night one of fighter fest right yep no uh, isa by, by the way seven one i know victory. they won in a walk off i know Seven. I texted it to you. It's just not going through. No, no, I got your taxi. No, the, the Yankees. Oh, you got it? Who cares if the Yankees won? The, the, the Orioles won seven to one. That is ten in a row. We're above five hundred. We are now in wild card position. This is this is a this is a. 40. They're gonna make a they're, wow. they're gonna make a movie about this. We are we are. Have fun. They're gonna make a movie about this. 
We can't, the Yankees can't see you guys all the way down there in the standings. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not saying nothing north of the border. We're struggling up here right now. <laughs> like a movie. I'm gonna yeah. be hitting you. I'm gonna be hitting you up for Yankees tickets again. <laughs> if it comes down to to to, to the Orioles, you know, getting getting uh getting a shot at them New York Yankees. It nice. won't. So that's okay. Okay. <laughs> so dismissive. Yeah. So dismissive. Hey, uh, everybody, tweet. Tweet at any or all the three of us, whichever one you like or don't like. Uh, tweet at us. Let us know where in the world are you, Carmen San Diego, watching this podcast? Uh, what are you doing as you watch? Are you fully engaged? Are you commenting? Are you taking notes? Are you Dan, that Labar guy? Oh, Issa. Oh, you know, fantasizing. Oh, Jimmy and the one and the, and the referee uh, logic. What are you doing? <laughs> where in the world are you? Share it with us so we can shout it out. How are you consuming this podcast? Hey, mm-hmm. tell a friend. You tell one friend. They tell another friend. So on and so on and so on and so on. That's mm-hmm. a Wayne's World reference. Uh, please yes. like, share, comment, do all the wonderful things. Uh, I think you guys got a lot of cheap plugs out, but I'll give you a uh, shot again. Issa, uh, cheap plug. You're, you're going to be uh, doing some uh, in, in Espanol interviewing this weekend, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Summerfest from Laue in Puerto Rico. So I will be there this Saturday. Come find me and... It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a whole festival around the professional wrestling. It's going to be fun. Very good. Jimmy, uh, coffee and a rant tomorrow morning. I look forward to it. Yeah, uh, coffee and a rant tomorrow morning and also on Friday morning. And uh, if you want your Ref and Rant t-shirts, you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com and uh, get your wrestling Refing Rant t-shirts there. There's also one where it says Canadian Heat Magnet, and apparently sometimes I am. How do you take your coffee, Jimmy? Are you a black or are you a creamer? No, I'm a regular, like a like a one one sugar, one cre- okay. regular cream. Yeah, I can't do that black coffee mm. stuff. I'm sorry, I gotta have a little creamer. My wife does. It's just black with no sugar, nothing, just just coffee. She is a soulless woman. <laughs> no, I give her credit. I, 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 she's got the biggest heart of. Uh, I'm. Let me I love Aldra. She's a wonderful woman. I just yeah, can't believe I, that she's. Yeah, married to me. Right? Trust me, I know. I, I, I know. I I outkicked my coverage. I know that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you guys got to the altar. We we're all waiting for a false finish. Yeah, I was waiting for a run and going. If anybody has an objection, please speak now. And then Tony Chimmel announces, cashing in their money in the bank. Yeah. Then, then, then we then we have a, a groom bump. In the in the church, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, did you have anybody famous as any of your groomsmen? As as any of my groomsmen? No, they're all like old high school buddies. Okay, they're all yeah. Pretty I don't know if I didn't know if you're gonna pull out a uh, uh, yeah, I know if you're gonna pull out a chimel or a funny name that everybody would know that was that was in the talks with you. That's one of the things being up here in Canada. It's uh especially with the, the schedule those guys had. I yeah, it was tough. Very good. Well, Tony Chimble, he's a Flyers fan, and the Flyers didn't do jack uh, yeah. on uh, free agent signing. I got no complaints about that. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, that's another topic for another podcast. No, <laughs> Let's get Chimble on. Let's do a hockey podcast for one episode. Oh no, I don't want to hear. Uh, get, I don't want to hear him say "get flyered up" for one <laughs> solid hour. Very good. It's been fun. It's been a Wednesday night, so of course it's been fun. Uh, follow her. She's at NYC Demon Diva with the one on the eye. Uh, uh, follow at Jimmy Corderas, follow at Justin Lavar, like, share, comment, do what you got to do. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week for the post AEW Dynamite podcast here on Wrestling Inc. Be good. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.